to the mystical realm of things that make you go woo. I'm your host, Emily, also known as Emily and Her Stars, an evolutionary astrologer, psychic medium, an insightful 6-4 projector who specializes in channeling cosmic messages that will unlock the boundless potential within you. When I'm not working with my amazing clients, I'm on a quest to unravel the sacred mysteries and ancient origins of the woo. Join me as we explore the rich tapestry of history, unfolding current events, captivating interviews, and sacred wisdom in the monthly energy reports. Brace yourself because this podcast is all about making you go woo too. Before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to share with you how this interview came to be. In the beginning of July 2023, Sarah McCormick of Bella de Luna and Soul Care Astrology started advertising a book of poetry that she had published titled Conversations with the Moon. To be perfectly honest, the name alone had me. And the idea that she had written a beautiful book of poetry was enough for me to purchase almost instantly. Now, it took me another probably four weeks to actually sit down one Sunday afternoon and crack the book open. And when I did, I discovered some beautifully deep and touching poems, two of which I'm going to share with you in these opening remarks. The first is titled Moonrise. She is rising, calling, shining from above, reminding me of the promises I whisper to my soul. But it was when I read the second poem titled The Light that I realized I had to reach out to her. The poem goes, staring at the sky, searching for the light, that will make me feel less alone. I think my love of astrology is rooted in the idea that I wished someone somewhere along the way had taken the time to get to know me in a way that felt deeper and more meaningful than a lot of relationships had provided. And I wondered if possibly Sarah felt this way too, that maybe these wounds of childhood of being an other, of being misunderstood, somehow led to a branch being formed in our heart for astrology, where we could help see others in a way that we had always wanted to be seen ourselves. And so I reached out and she was so gracious in her response. And the following podcast was created out of that first conversation we had together. I hope you enjoy, and more than anything, I hope you help support her and her publishing of these beautiful poems. All the details are located in the show notes and also at the end of the podcast. Enjoy. I am beyond excited to have Sarah McCormick joining us today. She is a predictive astrologer and owner of Bella de Luna, Soul Care Astrology. She is a cosmic guide to finding your path through the forest of your soul. And I absolutely love that description because I discovered Sarah and her Soul Care Planner 
um, about three years ago, maybe. I feel like it was very pandemic-y. And it has been life-changing for me in the way that I utilize my astrology day to day. Um, she is a somatic trauma therapy practitioner. She's a um, trauma-informed 200-hour yoga teacher. Um, you have so many pieces to your background, including a BA in psychology and mindfulness coaching and all of these aspects that I think bring a beautiful lens to your astrology work. So I'm very excited to welcome you today. Hi, Sarah. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Oh, this is so fun. I, we were joking before we started. I very fangirly sent Sarah a message on Instagram one day. And I was like, did you even like, did you think about what you said before you sent it? <laughs> and she was so kind and wrote back. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today, because I think our love of astrology, I think comes from the same roots in some way. So I'm excited to explore this with you, but tell me a little bit about your background. Um, what brought you into astrology, all the things. Uh, yeah, all the things. Um, <laughs> so I have been in love with astrology as, as long as I can remember. Um, like as a teen, like a young teenager, I remember um, designing a like clothesline. It was for like an art class type project. And mine, not surprisingly, was Zodiac themed. <laughs> And I'm like 13 or 14. Um, you know, I always got the astrology books when we go to the bookstore of like, I can't even remember an exact title, but like the really stereotypical astrology of like your love life based on the stars kind of thing. And I just gobbled that up. And it wasn't until college, a little bit after college that I started to get really serious about studying astrology. And during college, I studied psychology and I started noticing how the two wove together really lovely. And, you know, my passion just kind of grew from there. And I just kept finding people to, to study under. And yeah, it's just, it's grown since then. I don't think I could have even like 10 years ago, don't think I could have imagined I am where I am now with like a planner and books. And I don't think I had the, the capacity to, to envision this for myself and how it's kind of unfolded. Yeah. There's been like a lot of little layers to it, like you mentioned, and I've basically anything I can study about like mindfulness or somatics or, you know, how we store trauma in our body. Like I am, I am going to dive into that and weave it into my work with astrology. It's beautiful. The way you bring that additional layer. I, I talk about this sometimes on the podcast, my loathing for pop astrology, people just sticking onto a, a theme, memorizing keywords and using it in a way that is not authentic and also doesn't recognize the depth of layers, right? I, I don't know how you feel this way, but I think sometimes that if I studied astrology every day for the rest of my life, I would barely scratch the surface. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many pieces to it. So, okay. This soul care planner that you developed, tell us a little bit about it because I think it's one of the best tools on the market, hands down for anyone who wants to live by the stars. Thank you. 
Um, so I actually developed it after my son was born in 2019. I had the idea before he was even conceived, but I, I don't know, something just stopped me. I had the idea, but it was just like, mm, it's not quite ready yet. And then in 2019, um, I had a traumatic birth experience and then some health issues. And my dad also passed away all within a span of six weeks. Oh and so I became deeply depressed. And for me, the way I kind of started to work my way out of that depression was the moon and using the moon for guidance for self-care for each day, because I was, everything was so overwhelming. I was a new mom. I was dealing with so, so many things um, with like my dad's estate and my health. And it felt overwhelming to even think about self-care. I was like, I, I can't, can't think of that. It's too much. <laughs> and so I basically made myself a list for, okay, if the moon is in Aries, you go take a walk. Mm -hmm. If the moon is in Taurus, you take a bath. Like I just had myself a list of if the moon is in the sign, this is what you go do. And that kind of gave me a little bit of a container to work from to kind of find my center again and feel a little bit grounded and kind of work through the muck I was working through. And that's where the soul care planner was born. I was like, how do I get, give this to other people? How do I take this idea I've had and been working with and make it tangible so other people can use it, whether they are also like working through depression or anxiety, or they just want kind of a guide, um, someone to walk with them through, you know, day to day and like not a planner that is like, oh, let's make a list and see how many things we can get done and like really have that focus on like productivity and like hustle culture because that just felt ick to me. <laughs> but instead center around how are you feeling today? What do you need today? Like, you know, what is your soul asking from you today? Um, and that was kind of really what framed the creation of the soul care planner and why I even created it. Your willingness to talk about that journey is honestly a breath of fresh air, because I think in that hustle culture, that boss babe world, it was sweep all of that under the rug. We're not going to talk about that. We are worried about algorithms. <laughs> about how we're showing up each day, if my room is curated, all the, the other aspects. And that's not human. Exactly. And, you know, we talk about how psychology is so similar to astrology. And those of us that I think have struggled in some way in our life with depression, anxiety, um, OCD, ADD, ADHD, all of the things, right? There is a coming home that I think happens when you recognize your blueprint. That's what mm -hmm. I sort of call your birth chart is this blueprint of like, okay, this is what I have to work with. How can I best utilize what I've got? And as you had your degree sort of in psychology, did you, were you open to talking to, about astrology with other people? Were they curious? Where did you find your confidence to sort of talk about astrology? 
Um, yeah, like looking back, it was like I had a a few close friends that I would talk to about astrology, but it wasn't until I got out of college and away from that very clinical mindset mm-hmm. um, that I felt more free to just completely geek out in the open about astrology. <laughs> yes, that makes sense because I think it can be very, right, it's been in the woo cabinet for so long. And it's interesting to me that I think we don't talk about, and this is how I framed the question when I sent it to you. (laughs) So bear with me as I paraphrase, but I would love to discuss how using astrology helps us see others the way we wish they could see us. And the feeling of being misunderstood as a child, as a teen, as a young adult, and that desperate call for someone to see into our soul plan, into our blueprint has really, I think, ignited for me why I love astrology. Do you share any of that? Do you feel that way? I didn't ask you that one. I just (laughs) assumed you felt the same way. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because, um, like when you sent that question over, it was immediately, I was like, yes, that's exactly how I see it. And like, I had never worded it that way to myself. I never really um, kind of connected things that way, but that is how I view astrology. And and that's actually like a, a, a book I've been kind of working on for the past year is the backbone of it is, is that, and how for so many of us, um, especially those of us who perhaps have um, trauma in our childhood, where we have those wounds around feeling like we're not good enough or that there's something wrong with us. Astrology gives us a safe place that maybe we didn't have in childhood. It gives us a container for us to be able to dive into ourselves and all the aspects of ourselves um, and recognize that they are valid. And it, it gives us a place to kind of learn things that maybe we didn't learn in childhood. Like for me, like self-care was not, not a thing at all (laughs) in my childhood, nor were boundaries. And so astrology has really given me a framework to work from and kind of learning those things as I've, you know, learned more about astrology and, and, and grown and had more experiences that, um, there's just something about it where it just, for me, astrology and at least the way kind of like I look at it, it almost is like a permission slip to feel your feelings and have your experiences in a world where everything is like, you know, on social media and we're supposed to be like picture perfect and like have these ways we present ourselves. And especially if you layer in, you know, how we might've been raised with the mentality of being a quote unquote, good girl and what that means. And, um, astrology gives you permission. I feel like to just kind of 
sweep all that away and and kind of decide, no, this is who I am and this is this is how I want to be. I think it's fascinating that you have brought because I completely agree on those feelings. I, I hear you, I validate it hundred percent. And I had never thought about using it in such a day-to-day framework. For me, I've come at it from this angle of, you know, we look at our outer planets as generational. And I would look at my peers and be like, why do I feel like an alien in my own peer group? <laughs> and for me, recognizing then through my chart, and I look at it through kind of an evolutionary lens of, okay, what is some of the past life trauma that I've brought in? What are patterns that I meant to explore and release in this life? It's given me an, a bigger framework in the sense of, I look at it in almost decades or in from, you know, Saturn return to Saturn return, something like that. Instead of really sinking into that micro lens of day to day. And I, it's funny because I do some predictive astrology. I mean, you just, if you're in astrology, you end up talking about current transits, no matter what you think about them. (laughs) And I always talk about it as being for others. In fact, I was talking to a girlfriend last week about Venus and retrograde. And I was like, oh, it's hitting me. (laughs) 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 It was this moment of like, oh, I'm not, yeah, I have to remember I'm not exempt from experiencing all these earthly delights too. So I love that you bring that grounding aspect to astrology um, because it is such an incredible ancient tool to allow us the freedom to take a breath and recognize ourselves. But it's interesting to me that it wasn't traditionally used necessarily in that way. This is our new take on it. Do you find, I think sometimes the peers I look to for learning astrology have similar things that I understand and appreciate, but then there's this feeling of, now I have to kind of go out on my own and figure some of these things out. Do you find that too? Yeah. I always like listening to other people's interpretations because sometimes I'll be like, oh, I've never thought of it that way. Um, and I'll, and I'll sit with it and I'll be like, but that doesn't quite resonate with me. Um, that's what I know. I need to just tune everyone else out and kind of dive within to be like, okay, well, what does resonate with me? And I mean, that's something I encourage like everyone to do. Like, I know everyone has their favorite astrologer and, you know, that's just one person's interpretation. What really matters is what it, feels like for you. And that may be different than what you can have five astrologers telling you their interpretation and your interpretation may be completely different from all five of them. And that is okay. And yours is valid. If I could silently clap on a podcast, I'm giving you all the snaps. (laughs) Right. You talked about this in your episode. I think it was 27, why you shouldn't listen to astrologers. And I completely loved that episode because it's true. We can offer guidance, but it is through our own lens. And I pretty sure you're developing as a medium as well, or are a medium, all those. And right. Some of what we learn through that lens is that I'm only sharing the information through my 
through my dictionary, my vessel, my experiences. And I feel like that is part of what is missing in some ways in astrology, the -hmm. recognition that we are all taking the system, the ideas and funneling them through our own voice. Yeah. Like people, and you see this unfortunately a lot now, especially with pop psychology where people want like a very black and white. There is no gray rule book of this is how you interpret astrology. And that is not at all how astrology works. And that is why I think astrology is so healing for so many people is because it can be applied to all of us in a very different way. Have you, I know I've done this myself, so I'm going to ask this time. (laughs) Have you used astrology in your family for you to, to understand family, to heal family in some way? I have with my son. Um, like I remember (laughs) like, this is such an astrologer thing to do, but it was like literally the day he was born, I was like sitting there pulling up his birth chart on my phone. <laughs> I can imagine. And being like, this. Okay. This is what I have to work with. Okay. And like, this is, this is perhaps how he's going to like interpret things and view things. And, you know, like this is, this is kind of his framework that he's potentially like coming from. Uh, so it kind of gave me some uh, kind of starting points of like where to begin with him. Like, you know, he might, you know, I was looking like at his Mercury to be like, okay, how might he like learn information best? Like, is he going to learn through communication? Is he going to learn through visuals? Is he going to learn through hearing something? Like, how are we going to approach this? Um, Which you do not need to know any of that with a newborn, but that is what my brain wanted to fixate on. So (laughs) that's what I did. Um, You know, it, I, in hindsight, I definitely recognize that like that felt like something I could control in an in environment where everything felt extremely out of control. It was I could look at his birth chart and I could understand it. So um, I haven't done it with anyone else um, as in depth as I kind of looked, did it with my son. Um, I do know like my husband's birth chart pretty well, but you know, a lot of it is woven in with the fact that I know things like his love language and I know um, kind of like what his childhood childhood was like and what his childhood wounds are. And like, so therefore I kind of know like what his triggers are and where he's coming from, like when he's reacting to things and that I'm reacting to things and um, I can kind of navigate that a little bit better, kind of weaving all of those things I know together. I wonder as teens and young adults as we were when, right, depression was um, ever present for me, anxiety, a lot of self-doubt, just feeling completely lost in who I was and what direction I was going. And not having anyone in my life that could look at something and say, have you thought about this? Have you looked at your life through this lens? Like, okay, what, what can we do to help in that way? And I wonder at having this background in psychology, do you ever see yourself offering that in some way? It's really weird. Um, 
because I got the degree in psychology. Um, and I remember part of me wanting to go on and get like my master's in social work and go into counseling. But I remember at the time, like I felt terrified to do that because I had and still have to some degree, like this huge core wound around not being good enough. And I was terrified that I would somehow air quotes here, mess people up. (laughs) Um, And as I have gotten older and, you know, had more life experience, but also just learned more because I am one of those people that like, I just, I can't stop learning. I'm always wanting to find something else to learn. Um, like in hindsight, I can, I can recognize how much of that fear and resistance was my own, my own like past and getting in the way of me being able to live in the present. And it's hard to know like what, there have been times, especially over the past few years, where I've definitely thought of going um, more like full on into to coaching. I don't think I'd ever go back to get my master's, um, but I could definitely see myself moving into coaching instead of counseling. And I think, honestly, the only reason I haven't done it yet is because my son is still at home with me. <laughs> he's still he's only four. He's. He's in preschool, but it's only half day. So he's still, my life is still very much revolving around him. So I'm kind of at this point, just kind of waiting until kindergarten starts. <laughs> and then I definitely think I'm going to be like moving into um, more of coaching instead of just doing uh, readings and predictive like astrology, like weekly astrology, monthly astrology. This is what's happening. Um because for me, all the things I have learned, especially around, um, well, part of it's my own experience, but then just kind of unpacking my own experience and learning around trauma and how do we unpack that? Like, how do we get some distance from it so we don't have to carry it all the time? Um, That is what I feel like is a big part of kind of the next unfolding of like my work and kind of bringing everything back to like making self-care accessible to people that and I kind of hate using the word self-care because everyone thinks like bubble baths when you think self-care but like how do we make self-care accessible when you are in the middle of a depressive episode when your anxiety is like sky high and just everything feels like it's activating you and you can't calm down. Like, how do you, how, what do you do? (laughs) Right. Right. That I think there's not enough conversation around because we recognize self-care when we're already in a relaxed, calm state, but when you aren't, it feels completely inaccessible. And I don't know if you have any examples of what you do or would be willing to share, but I think that would be incredibly helpful for people. Yeah. Yeah, So um, one of my favorite things, because this is, this is, I 
feel like um, easy to do is for me, there are times when something happens and I feel angry. And for me, a lot of the time, for multiple reasons, I will feel irritated by things and not say anything. And then, so by the time I do feel angry, I just am like wanting to explode at whoever I am angry at. And one of the things I have found that really helps me kind of come back down to a centered place where I'm not trying to shove the anger down. I'm not trying to deny it or ignore it. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm very visual. So like, it's instead of like the anger being like very large and like looming and like screaming, it's more just like a normal sized person, like stomping their feet. (laughs) And so what I do is I find a wall and I kind of put my hands on it and take a deep breath in. As I breathe out, I am like pushing as hard as I can against that wall until like my arms are shaking. So about like 10 seconds or so, and then relax. And often upon that relaxation, you will just find that there is this like wave of calm that kind of washes over you after you've like really exerted those arm muscles um, that just helps you kind of like shake off that excess anger. It's not getting rid of the anger. It's not like pushing it down. It just makes it more manageable. So you can still feel angry, but still kind of think a little bit more clearly. So you're not reacting from a place of that really intense anger. Love that. Totally going to use that. Thank you for sharing. I discovered, I think it was in February of this year, smash rooms. (laughs) (laughs) And I had a moment where I was like, why has no doctor ever prescribed one of these before? (laughs) Because it was completely um, trepidatious kind of walking into the situation of like, okay, I don't know if I can, like, you want me to smash things? And by the end, the calm and the release, right? We aren't taught, especially as women, right? And I think we, I can say this, we come from the same generation of, you can absolutely do anything, be anything. And in doing that, we took on more than any other women before us without the tools or any of the systems in place to help us regulate the amount of stress and pressure we have taken on in our lives. It's amazing to me that we have survived as long as we have. (laughs) (laughs) And that there are finally more conversations about this. Um, Recognizing that we have to find ways to release this frustration, this anger, the sadness, the overwhelm, all of the things that we just kind of put in our purse and stuff away for an, like, like, I don't have time right now. I always joke with my listeners, like I'll have a breakdown on in therapy on Thursday between two and three and the rest of the time I'm fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, um, there's this almost like shame and being, um, like, It's like, we want to be, it's almost like we got the message, like be open, but not too open. Like, you know, where 
if something makes us sad and we start crying, like we often feel like we have to hide it with like, we have to wipe the tears away or we need to like go into the other room. Um, and I have made a point of when something makes me sad and I start crying to just let myself cry, <laughs> um, especially in front of my son um, and letting him know that it is, it's human to feel emotions. It is human to, to experience emotions and emotions are not a sign that is, something's wrong with us. Emotions are not a sign that something needs to be fixed. Um, emotions are just our, our reaction to our environment. And sometimes it's reaction to, you know, something coming up from our past or memory. Um, and that's okay. Like, it's it's okay to to have emotions and the other thing I think a lot of us aren't taught because a lot of people have I think our society we through, through our society a lot of people have just forgotten how to do this but like we are capable of holding multiple things at once not just like mental to-do lists but also multiple emotions like we can feel happy about something and sad about something else at the same time. And that's okay. That's like part of the human experience. Yes. Love this. I can be in a place of joy and still be in a place of frustration or anger or stuck in some way. And it doesn't mean that either is less valid. One does not negate the other in that moment. They simply exist at the same. And being able to not only be aware of that, but to speak it, that's the trick, right? <laughs> you wrote this beautiful book of poetry, which I, I have a deep respect and fondness for poetry. I've never considered myself, although I write I would never consider anything that I've written poetry, <laughs> but you publish this incredible book of, and it's very vulnerable. I, I can tell this comes from a place of um, deeply processing things that were going on in your life and trying to find the beauty or the understanding in them and sharing that, how has that opened you because I would imagine it for me to hit publish on that it would have felt like oh my god what have I just done <laughs> yeah definitely share that story. <laughs> uh yeah so um like I have been writing poetry probably since my early teens um and every time I have like taken a poetry writing or creative writing class whether it was high school or college where I had, you know, an instructor, a teacher, a professor see my poems. They were like, you're going to pu pu publish poems one day. And I'm just like, what? No, <laughs> no one wants to see this. Why would, why would I do that? Um, and over the years, the few people that have known that I write poetry and have read it, they've always been like, you need to publish this um, because it is open and it, it's very much my Scorpio rising. <laughs> I can feel that. Yeah. <laughs> it is open 
and vulnerable about the darker side of the human experience. You know, it talks about depression and grief. Um, it, there's talk about abuse and um, neglect. And yeah, it was terrifying for me to publish it. And I think if I hadn't done pre-orders, <laughs> I might not have published it, but I, I had done pre-orders. So people like, they're like, already paid for it. So I was like, I can't turn back now. <laughs> but yeah, it has been um, definitely slightly terrifying um, because there's, again, a lot of, like a lot of people, I have wounds around not being good enough of something's wrong with me and putting something out there that is so open left me feeling very much like a turtle or a crab without a shell, just very raw and exposed. Um, but thankfully, like so far, all the feedback I've gotten has been very beautiful and people are finding it very affirming. Um, and also, which was the goal, like the whole reason I even did it is, is because I, I wanted to put something out there that if it could help at least one person feel less alone within the depths of their depression or their grief or their anxiety or their trauma, whatever it is, I was going to do it. It is a spectacular book. And I um, shared a poem in the opening. And so if anyone is interested, I highly highly recommend the book. I think it is exactly what you described it. It is a open door to the vulnerability that I think a lot of us wish we would allow ourselves at times. Um, and I applaud your courageousness and so happy you took pre-orders <laughs> and released it because it also in doing that paves the way for others to say, I can do this too. So I, I thank you for, for doing that and, and taking that first step out. And I hope you continue to write more and have a second volume at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I've actually, uh, I mean, I'm always, I'm always writing, but I've, I've already been like, do I do it more? Do I publish more? <laughs> Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> You'll know, know when the time is right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, where, where are you now on your astrology journey? How are you, where are you at with it? It never ends. It's, um, yeah, it's um, definitely, I mean, I've always got a million writing projects. It feels like happening. Um, Cause at the core of who I am, like, I am a, I'm a writer first, like that is, that's just who I am. Um, so I am kind of exploring astrology a little bit and, uh, I almost want to say deeper lens lately. Um, as I've been, there's a, one of the books I've been working on unraveling is how astrology played a part in me 
kind of unpacking my trauma. Um, and so I've been doing a lot of deep dives on that lately and just finding more and, and more kind of like avenues to explore that and finding other astrologers who are doing that and kind of like just listening to them and what they have to say and like finding new new rabbit holes to go down. So yeah, like I'm kind of diving in with that and also kind of keeping an open mind about how I'm going to, because I definitely see this like weaving in with coaching in the future. Um, And so I'm kind of, I feel like I'm building my web right now. I feel like that's the place I'm in. I'm kind of like building the foundation and kind of like slowly spinning, spinning my web um, as I kind of unravel more and more. That's really interesting. The idea of using it to sort of open the avenues for shadow in some cases to recognize the patterns of trauma that may be um, listed, stored in the chart. And I think the beauty of astrology, especially in this particular moment, because it's popular without a doubt, it's but it is still evolving in our new, from our new lens. And I've talked about this in terms of mediumship too. You know, when we look at the history, it was much more about needing to prove that it was possible, needing to prove that spirit coming through was legit who we said it was, right? It was all about facts and maybe 20% about message. And now I find for me personally, if I'm doing a reading, it's like 80% message, 20% validating who's here. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. That's who it is, but let's get to what the, let's get to the meat. And I feel that way about astrology. I think it's undergoing in some ways, something similar. We are still unpacking the, the meat of it in some ways, right? These deep, deep historical roots, which is, which I love to go deep into and, and uncover those sort of lost meanings, but to use it in a way that helps us exactly where we are now. I don't need to know when to plant my crops. I don't need to know, (laughs) right. If it's a hunter's moon, if it's a strawberry, like I, I appreciate those aspects, but for me, it's, it's a bigger overarching theme. So I think that's a really beautiful direction you're headed. Um, And I'm excited to see the web you weave. As you were talking earlier, you mentioned, and I love this, designing um, a clothing collection based on astrological zodiac signs. Love. (laughs) I have a background in um, visual arts too. And I think I'd be curious your thoughts on astrology is so visual compared to some of the other esoteric practices, do you find that that's maybe why artists or creatives are drawn to it in some way? Yeah. Um, and I think also that it's such a wide array, um, where what I keep getting here is you don't feel boxed in like with astrology. I mean, pop pop astrology like aside um (laughs) which tries its best to box people in um I feel like astrology gives you a 
freedom to kind of express your full range, just like there's the full range of the zodiac signs. And I think this may be something that I've written in the Soul Care Planner that um, I, I don't remember exactly how I phrased it in the planner, but it's something around the the zodiac signs and how they are archetypes and basically mirrors of different parts of ourselves and we can see ourselves in each sign and we we will resonate you know with more sign one sign more than the others or maybe there's like two or three signs that we really resonate with but like we can recognize the energy of each sign within ourselves and i think that is you know artists and creatives across all time, I think, have struggled with the feeling of being boxed in. Um, And so anything I think that helps people feel like they are breaking out of the box is something that they are going to resonate with. Oh, that's beautiful. And I agree. It's interesting in a reading. Sometimes someone will say, well, I have nothing here. I have nothing in this house. I have nothing in the sign but I still have, like, I have family or I have, there are aspects of my life that like, am I just not supposed to experience this? And teaching that astrology is this spiral of life and experiences. And we absolutely experience every sign and every house and every planet, but in our own way, in our own lens. Um, And that, that it's okay we can look around and say, well, this person is doing it X, Y, and Z way and it works for them, but there is no one size fits all. There is no box that says, follow these seven simple steps to seven figures in seven days and do it on the landscape portal. And you'll be in a Mercedes before you know it. (laughs) That's where I, I draw the line and my love of astrology and pulp astrology. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's look at this through a bigger, wider lens. So thank you. I always feel that as teachers, we're always just a few steps. I know Danielle says this too, a few steps ahead of our students. And so I think there will be a greater awakening around this coming for sure. And your web is going to be woven beautifully to catch those who are interested in, in stepping out of the box. How can we all utilize these amazing things we've come in with in some way or another. So thank you for exploring that and, and looking into it. I always ask, um, all of my, my guests, what's your favorite woo object and why? Definitely Oracle cards. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Um, like I have Wow, it's got to be at least 50 decks. And even though I now have my own deck, <laughs> which is gorgeous and I love to use, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I still buy other decks. It's not like I'm like, oh, I've made my own. So now I, I'm done. No, I, I am just, I keep collecting. <laughs> and I, I love how the landscape of publishing, this is a totally different topic, but the landscape of publishing has changed and shifted where, you know, people now have the accessibility to like publish their own decks. They don't have to go through a publisher um, because there are so many beautiful indie decks that I have that I absolutely love. And for me, you know, 
different decks reflect different moods I'm in or different seasons of my life. Or maybe, you know, some days I, I want like very specific guidance. So I have like certain decks I'll go to for that. Or other days I'm like, I just want more like broad strokes message. And, you know, there's different decks for that. So, and for me, the reason I love Oracle decks so much is Oracle decks were how I learned to trust my intuition. Hmm. They were the container (laughs) that gave me the space to feel like I could, I could trust what I was sensing and feeling um, and then have, you know, validation through the deck uh, and also, you know, my life experiences. But that is kind of why when I am ever feeling like lost or uncertain, the two things I like always turn to is the moon and Oracle decks, because those are kind of my foundation for, for grounding and feeling centered and feeling like I've got this, I can trust myself. So that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. It's, I agree, a great foundation for building intuition and trust in self. So I appreciate that. Okay, another question for you. You've passed from this realm and someone wants to call your energy back here to visit with you. How would they do that? So this question, definitely, I was like, wait, how would they do that? (laughs) (laughs) And um, not surprisingly, my ADD brain was immediately like throwing different like ideas at me. And I was like, no, like, because you would think maybe like the moon, something to do with the moon, like, because I love the moon. And I was like, doesn't, doesn't, it's not, nope, it's not doing anything for me. That's not it. Um. And so I just kept kind of like sifting through different words that came to me, different items and being like, just kind of noticing how I felt as I thought of each one. And um, finally, what kind of landed for me was the wind. Um, And there's no real way to explain it other than like if I am outside or I have the windows open and I feel the wind, whether it's like a, you know, soft, gentle breeze or like it's a wind gust. Um, For me, the wind feels like coming home. That's gorgeous. You know, I think it, I, part of the reason why I love this question is I feel like it forces us to boil down to our essence. What transpires language and you know, material items, all of these things, what is it that just gets to us? And so the wind is, I love that answer. I am not a fan of the wind, but I will completely change my mind now that I think <laughs> of you. <laughs> um, do you think this connection, I'm just gonna, I hope you don't mind and pry for a moment, but this, the feeling I get when you share that is the idea of releasing your words into the air and the movement of the air and how it carries them carrying your message near and far and in ways that catch us um maybe sometimes off guard or surprise us when we're not expecting it I think it's beautiful yeah and 
the more I kind of sat with it, the more I, I thought about how like the wind can carry things. So I'm like, the wind is not necessarily like a tangible thing, but like the wind can move tangible things. Um, you know, it makes me think of like leaves and feathers and petals and, um, you know, the wind can carry uh, smells and fragrance. And like, that is, we, we know, like scientifically know, like our sense of smell is most directly linked to our memory. And that is kind of will light up our brain and our neurons the fastest to like mentally transport us like back in time to certain memories or different smells. And over time, while our visual memories may fade or like we, you know, can no longer recall what like a person's voice sounded like, smell will transport us back to that person every single time. Like we just, we smell something that either we, our brains inherently connect with someone or we smell like we have an old t-shirt of theirs that smells like them. And that will immediately take us back to them. Um, And also, you know, the wind to me is very like all encompassing um, where it can be (laughs) uh, destructive but it can also be very gentle um, and soothing. And so to me, that just really resonates with how I feel um, and how I kind of am very adamant about recognizing that we all have this range of emotions that, and no emotion is good and no emotion is bad. They just are. And we are both the, we are the gust and the breeze at all times. And like, there is no, there's no label there. There's no, this is good. And this is bad just is. And being able to recognize that we have that whole world of emotions and experiences within us and honor that instead of trying to label things or like push things down. We are the gust and the breeze at the same time. I love it. Let our listeners know how they can find you, how they can order the soul care planner, which I'm sure is going to be coming out soon. I hope I got to get ready for next year, all the things. Um, Let us know how they can work with you or find you online. Yeah. So I am at soulcareastrology.com and I think, um, Facebook and Instagram, they're they're both soul care astrology. Uh, TikTok is the only one that's slightly different because they won't let me have that many characters. <laughs> so TikTok is soul care astro. Um, and yeah, the soul care planner is actually um, being unpacked right now. <laughs> and so uh, either this week or next week, it'll start shipping out the 2024 20, one, which I always it always blows my mind that because I, I have to work a year ahead. I'm like, are we really are we really talking about 2024 already? <laughs> it always comes so fast, so fast. And they can order that directly on your website. Yes. Thank you so much for being here today. 
And thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Things That Make You Go Woo. You can find out more about this episode and how to work with me at emilyandherstars.com or come join the incredible sacred community at thirdeyelibrary.com. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.